If your business is tired of paying unpredictable and high phone bills, do what I did. Switch to Zoom Calls Cloud Business Phone Service. You'll pay the same low amount every month, no matter how many calls you have in the U.S. and Canada. And Zoom Calls has a really cool feature called voicemail drops. Whenever you reach someone's voicemail, just say hi in their name and then click a couple of buttons on your phone to leave your pre-recorded message. It saves both your voice and your time. Check out zoomcalls.com. That's zoomcalls.com. I think you'll love it. Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. Well, that is right. You are listening to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. Yes, I am your host, Todd Huff, here on this very special Christmas time edition of the program. Thank you for joining us. Hope you have a, well, you know, this is the time of year where folks are uh, maybe beginning to be in a I don't know, different routine possibly. Some folks may be on vacation today. Some folks may be working today. Some folks may be shopping today. I don't know. But it's good to have you, and I appreciate you listening to this program throughout the year, and especially, I don't say especially now, but you know, in a sense, especially now during this special time of year, during the Christmas season. As always, email address is Todd, T-O-D-D, at Show. Dot com. Huff is H-U Frank Frank. Maybe we've got new listeners out there. H-U-F-F, Todd at ToddHuffShow.com, Facebook.com, slash Todd Huff Show if you want to watch the program live or on demand. Good to have you. Thank you for listening. So, 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 I want to do two things today. Number one, number one, I want to talk about this Article, this editorial in Christianity Today. Christianity Today. I thought it would be appropriate. And this thing just posted a couple of days ago, I think on, I guess on Thursday. Didn't really have time to discuss it Friday. So it's a good, uh, something good to get into today. I think timely given the, the, you know, time of year, the focus on the birth of, of Jesus, some disagreements amongst Christians and so forth regarding the impeachment and removal from office, not just the impeachment, but now the removal from office, Trump's potential removal from office uh, in the Senate. And so there's an editorial in Christianity Today, which, by the way, was founded by Billy Graham, the great evangelist Billy Graham, who I'm amazed when I think about the life of Billy Graham and I think about the number of people that Billy Graham ministered to the number of people that Billy Graham uh, shared the love of Christ with around this planet. It's truly remarkable, truly remarkable what this man um, did and the things that he did for God, for Christ, for the gospel. It's truly remarkable. You look at the numbers uh, the places that he has uh, that he had traveled, the people that he had reached, 
Um, it's, it's remarkable. The administrations that he ministered to and prayed with, this was a truly remarkable man. He had this, he had lots of things that he did to further the gospel, to have a, uh, I guess, an influence on the state of the church, Christianity at large. One of those things was founding, starting this publication called Christianity Today. And there was an editorial. I want to get right to it. Headline here says Trump should be removed from office. It's time to say what we said 20 years ago when a president's character was revealed for what it was. Mark, you know what? I've only seen this printed. Is it Galee? G A L L I. Mark Galee is how I'm going to pronounce it. And I do apologize if it's Galley, but I think it's Galee. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Oz can tell me. Here's what the editorial says In our founding documents, Billy Graham explains that Christianity Today will help evangelical Christians interpret the news in a manner that reflects their faith. The impeachment of Donald Trump is a significant event in the story of our republic. It requires comment. In typical CT, that's Christianity Today, Christianity Today approach. So if I say CT throughout, that's Christianity Today. I know these things can be a little challenging hearing them versus reading them, but nonetheless... A typical CT approach, uh, the typical CT approach, is to stay above the fray and allow Christians with different political convictions to make their arguments in the public square, to encourage, uh, encourage all to pursue justice according to their convictions, and treat their political opposition as charitably as possible. We want CT to be a place that welcomes Christians from across the political spectrum. And reminds everyone, lost my place there, and reminds everyone that politics is not the end and purpose of our being. We take pride in the fact, for instance, that politics does not dominate our homepage. Okay, again, I'm reading from Christianity Today. By the way, I want to just say this. You know, it's interesting to me. I, I, I do agree with this depending upon what the definition of some of these words are. Christianity is not meant to be uh, – Jesus didn't come to, I guess, establish a political party or something like that, right? He didn't come to establish even, even a government, but he did come to – he's truth in the, in the flesh, right? So he is – the Bible says the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through him. So <clears throat> Jesus came to bring us – life. Jesus came to bring us truth. Jesus came ultimately to save us from our sins, and we'll talk about that as we unpack the Christmas story here on this special Christmas edition, to save all of us, regardless regardless of political background, whether you're a Democrat, Republican, socialist, communist, fascist, you know, someone who's a constitutional conservative, whatever the case may be, Jesus came once and all for everyone, for one and all, right? This is what, this is the whole purpose of the Christmas story. But I think it's important to note that Jesus did come teaching about truth and what is right and what is good. And while we might, uh, certainly wouldn't have seen, uh, I would think, Jesus campaigning for a particular politician doesn't mean that it's wrong right it just it doesn't mean that's that this wasn't Jesus's mission 
But if if two if there were two ideologies and one was one was evil, right? And I, now please don't misunderstand. I'm talking about ideologies. I'm not talking about people. I'm going to get into this as we as things unfold. But if certainly, like for example, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, right? Dietrich Bonhoeffer in the 1930s stood up to Adolf Hitler and Nazi Germany. This was at the time. Uh, he was one of the few, if not really the only person to to effectively to to do this. Some of his uh, stories and the things that he did are quite are quite remarkable. Those were those were good things. So I want to be careful to the degree in which you know. I, I just want to point out some nuances and some differences. Of course, I don't think that uh, Jesus would have been telling people to be a Republican. That's that's not it at all, as though some people will tell you that Jesus was a socialist, which we'll unpack that a little bit, time permitting today as well. But depending on what you mean with, with politics, if it, may, if it means that uh, Jesus would not have said things about a worldview or an ideology that was evil, morally bankrupt, or corrupt, um, I think that that's – I don't think that is correct. I think Jesus would have stood out against uh, such things as that. But if we're talking about uh, some nuances between differences of political parties, some tiny, uh, you know, I don't know, just just differences of theory and so forth, differences of, of priorities, I think that, of course, is true. Jesus wouldn't have been campaigning for a particular politician, but he certainly, if something was, was evil, something was not good, something was ungodly, being taught by an ideological group, whatever that group was, whether it's just a group that's trying to persuade culture or a group that was in political power. I mean, Jesus Jesus dealt with the Pharisees and the religious leaders. These folks had a worldview that wasn't consistent with what Jesus taught, with what Jesus said, um, that, that how people were to behave and act in many instances. In fact, Jesus was Jesus really got intense with these folks. Jesus had infinite amounts of patience when someone had a sincere question about an about a topic an issue. He was very patient. He might challenge them. But when someone was playing some sort of a game for maintaining power and authority over the lives of people, Jesus wasn't very nice to those people. In fact, Jesus had some names for these folks, brood of vipers. Whitewashed tombs, for examples, a couple of examples. Jesus didn't appreciate that. Jesus, again, when it was when it was sincere, when the question was a part of someone's true journey towards trying to come to grips with truth and how one should live and who Jesus was, he was patient, accepting, loving. Again, might challenge you, might challenge you to do some some things that were way outside your comfort zone, but was still uh, engaging. He had not very nice things to say about those who were manipulative, who were trying to trap him in some sort of a verbal corner, Who those who were trying to get him to say something for, you could say, as we use the term today, political purposes, right? They want, you know, they, they wanted to have the, the narrative. They wanted to have the, uh, I don't know, the upper hand in this, apparent argument and disagreement, what they really didn't like about him was that he came to truly, in a sense, um, 
to undermine their their power and authority to say that you know Jesus was the way to forgiveness, not these religious leaders. These religious leaders shouldn't lord anything over you. They're no closer to God. In fact, they're probably metaphorically further away because of the things that they did and the way that they thought and the priorities in their lives and their hearts. So anyway, depending on what you mean by the word politics, right, in today's world, I've I've always marveled at how the left has made abortion, for example, a political issue, right, a political issue of politics. These are things that should be fought out in politics and in the court system, they tell us. But this is an issue that's inherently, intrinsically moral. Right? I feel like Jesus would have had something to say about this particular issue should he have – again, this is my interpretation based upon what I've read and seen in the Bible. I feel like he would have had something to say about this in 21st century America if he came to this point. So the, my only point here in stopping at this point, at this junction, is to say – that it depends what your meaning of politics is. Jesus wouldn't have been campaigning for a politician, but if political ideologies got into issues where things that uh, that, that contradicted things that Jesus taught, I don't think he would have had any qualms with pointing this out. This seems to be precisely the sort of things that Jesus would have done. I've got to stop. I thought I'd get further through this in the first segment, but I wanted to uh, stop and differentiate that uh, point in a um, as as it comes up. This isn't a super long editorial, so we'll get back to this uh, in the next segment as the program unfolds. So sit tight. We'll continue this discussion when we return and focus on a Christmas message of sorts, the special Christmas time edition of the Todd Huff Show. So we'll do those things when we return. You are listening to the home of conservative, not better talk. Merry Christmas, by the way. I am your host, Todd Huff. Back in just a minute. talking about this editorial in Christianity Today, which has made made the news. It's had some, there's been some other developments, I guess you could say, after, um, after it was released on, I guess it was Thursday, as an editorial. So I've been reading this, and if the connection here will cooperate, here we go. I will continue where I where I picked off again, reading from Christianity Today, and if I say the uh, the letters CT, that is in reference to Christianity Today. That's what they refer to themselves as in this particular editorial. So, that said, the writer here continues by the name Mark Gully. If it's Galley, I apologize, but I've not heard it. I've just read it. Mark Gully. He continues. That said. We do feel it necessary from time to time to make our own opinions on political matters clear, always, as Graham encouraged us, doing so with both conviction and love. We love and pray for our president as we love and pray for leaders as well as ordinary citizens on both sides of the political aisle. By the way, in complete agreement with that. Let's grant this to the president, he continues. The Democrats have had it out for him from day one. I would say from day zero, but nonetheless, the point is still the same. And therefore, nearly everything they do is under a cloud of partisan suspicion. This has uh, led many 
to suspect not only motives but facts in these recent impeachment hearings. And no, Mr. Trump did not have a serious opportunity to offer his side of the story in the House hearings on impeachment. We can agree on that as well. He continues, but the facts in this instance are unambiguous. The president of the United States attempted to use his political power to coerce a foreign leader to harass and discredit one of the president's political opponents. That is not only a violation of the Constitution, more importantly, it is profoundly immoral. This is the point at which I have a sharp disagreement with uh, the writer here at Christianity Today. So again, he says the president attempted to use his political power to coerce a foreign leader to harass and discredit one of the president's political opponents. You know, I, I just on a fundamental level, I just if you're prepared to say something is immoral, you need to be prepared to say. Which he says here, he says it's not just a violation of the Constitution. More importantly, it is profoundly, not just immoral, profoundly, profoundly immoral. Um, I find it interesting, you know, when you think about the Constitution, it's not just a bunch of technicalities. I mean, this as a human written piece of uh, work, I guess, the Constitution, uh, human work, I differentiate that from the Bible being the word of God. I know many, some of you, um, atheists and agnostics and that sort of thing, believe that Christianity is a fairy tale. That's that's okay. You can you can think that. I disagree vehemently with that as well. But be that as it may, I, I just want to differentiate between the Bible as this, the, the sacred word of God and the Constitution, the Declaration. These are secular. These are these are written by mere mortal men, and these documents actually. Sometimes violating them is is immoral, right? Sometimes it's it's just the way our, our system is, is structured. But there's a there's truth I think in these documents, and one of those one of those is found in the Declaration. We hold these truths to be self evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain inalienable rights, that among those are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. God created man to be free, folks. In fact, my pastor correctly says the holiest thing that we can do is choose, is to make a choice. That is, that's what it means to be to be human. Now, people can use their choices in unholy ways, but the act of being able to choose, of having the choice, that's something that's divinely created and given to man, and that's fundamentally at its core one of the things, one of the central things this nation uh, set out to protect was the the ability for people to live in accordance with their personal conscience. If you chose to, you know, you could choose to worship God as you so desired, right? You could choose not to worship God if you so chose, uh, if, if, if you desired. You weren't forced into believing or being a member of a particular church, the one that the state said that you should become a part of. None of that. Now, in the public square, there's plenty of People who are trying to per, uh, persuade, convince, persuade and convince others to do certain things, believe certain things, make cases for in the public square, and that's good. But sometimes violating the Constitution because of because of key fundamental truths like this is immoral. But he's saying that 
what the president did here uh, to coerce a foreign leader and to uh, harass him and to discredit him is what President Trump was was doing. If you're going to say something is immoral, you, I think it's important to say it's important to establish that a really clear cut, not, not just a definition of what is immoral, but why the example being given, why the example being given applies, no matter what the details of the or the circumstances. It does, of course matter tremendously it matters tremendously if we had an administration someone in our government who was acting outside the confines of law who was using his or her position of political power and influence to personally enrich his or her family to circumvent the correct way of dealing with these matters right to to abuse his power it's not inappropriate for the next president to call that out. You know, I have a bit of a problem when people say the president of the United States should not be talking to foreign governments about a particular citizen. I mean, that that's true to a degree, but we're not talking about a regular citizen. We're talking, in the case of Joe Biden, about the former vice president of the United States. We're talking about someone who may have may have been acting well outside well outside the confines of his role as, as vice president, the constitutional mandates. We may be talking about someone who was acting incredibly immoral in seeking political returns from a foreign government, right? I mean, that's that's what we're mad about Trump over. Why shouldn't it apply to Joe Biden, even when he's caught on camera admitting these things? What's wrong? What's wrong with, with saying, hey, we're trying to clean up this corruption. We're giving you lots of money. We need the corruption to end. I mean, Trump talks about corruption in our government, which exists uh, at levels that I think the average person is profoundly dismayed and surprised about. So this isn't – there's more than one way to interpret this versus, say, another key issue, which is not the the purpose of this particular article, but say the issue of of abortion – Right, taking taking the life of an unborn human being—that is definitively, that is by definition what what abortion is. So that's an easier that's an easier moral case to make because that is an absolute, right? But anyway, getting a notification here inside the studio that it's time to take another break. So I need to pause. I'm gonna pick up on this when we return again. This is not super long. It's not super long, but we will um, continue to break this down and also get to uh, this. Just I have some words about Christmas I want to get to as well. So we'll get to these things when we get back. Sit tight. You're listening to the Home of Conservative Not Bitter Talk, where we uh, we wish you a Merry Christmas, a happy and prosperous 2020. Appreciate you listening to this program uh, during this holiday season. Be back here in. Be back here in just a minute. Uh, editorial in Christianity Today. So I'm picking up where we left off last segment. The reason many are not shocked about this is that the, this president has dumbed down the idea of, moral, uh, of morality in his administration. He has hired and fired a number of people who are now convicted criminals. Uh, pause here. I mean, that 
there's a lot. There's a lot there, right? I mean, this is, uh, of course, the, the the position here is that if you hire people who are criminals, you're probably a bad individual. But there are other alternative explanations for this, of course. Uh, but be that as it may, I will continue. He himself has admitted to immoral actions in business and his relationship with women, about which he remains proud. Now, if that's the case, of course, as a Christian, we would agree that uh, that we should not be proud about things, especially those things that are immoral. But it does make a big difference that we're talking about something that happened in the past versus something that's happening happening currently. If it's happening currently, that is a different scenario. Again, I'm talking to those who uh, follow the Christian faith. Um, you know, part of the Christian faith is this concept of, of forgiveness, right? I mean, that's kind of a central tenet of being a of being a Christian. In fact, there's passages that we could cite on here. Uh, but th- anyway, this is this is what he's arguing here: is that the president has criminals in his administration, convicted criminals. He was immoral in his past. Uh, business actions and his relationships with women. The only the only sin, if you will, that's uh, mentioned is that he continues to be proud about this, which seems somewhat uh, bizarre. That's look, there, there's there's black and white things that you can point to and say this person did this. When you start saying things like he continues to be proud, that's to me that's that's a, an issue of interpretation. Anyway, he continues his Twitter feed alone. With his habitual string of mischaracterization, lies, and slanders is a near-perfect example of a human being who is morally lost and confused, he writes. He then continues, Trump's evangelical supporters have pointed to his Supreme Court nominees, his defense of religious liberty, and his stewardship of the economy, among other things, as achievements that justify their support of the president. We believe impeachment hearings have made it clear, absolutely clear, he writes, in a way that Mueller... The Mueller investigation did not that the president, President Trump, has abused his authority for personal gain and betrayed his constitutional oath. The impeachment hearings have illuminated the president's moral deficiencies for all to see. This damages the institution of our presidency, damages the reputation of our country, and damages both the spirit and the future of our people. None of the president's positives can balance the moral and political danger we face under a leader of such grossly immoral character. Then he cites a passage that they wrote, or I shouldn't say, um, uh, an editorial that they had written back in 1998 with President Clinton. I don't want to read this because I need to get to the end of this this piece. Um, he says, unfortunately, the words that we applied to Mr. Clinton nearly 20 years ago apply almost perfectly to our current president. Whether Mr. Trump should be removed from office by the Senate or popular vote next election, that is a matter of prudential judgment. That he should be removed, we believe, is not a matter of partisan loyalties, but loyalty to the creator of the Ten Commandments. So if you're loyal to God, you will vote against Trump or you will demand that your particular senator remove President Trump from office. You know, I just think if you're gonna make if you're gonna make these allegations, these are these are bold allegations. These are bold allegations to people of faith, people who are faithful readers of this publication. I think you better have some really airtight examples here. You can't just say Trump's Twitter feed, Trump's business related. Trump's not running Trump's not actively engaged in running businesses right now. So what does that have to do with his here and now? 
his past relationship with women has been cited. Look, if the things that are being said are true about Trump and his past relationship with women, that's those that's not good. That's not something those are not things that God is content with, happy with. But if it's if it's in the past, like what 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 are we supposed to do with this? Make your case, man. That you're using these somewhat. They're not really even specific. You know, when you when you cite the man's Twitter feed, it tells me that there's something really fundamentally flawed here. I go back and I read the Twitter feed from time to time. You know what I happen to think, and maybe I need to. I'll post this on Facebook. You can read the best or the rest of this if you so desire. There's just a couple of couple of paragraphs left, but as I'm thinking about the remainder, the balance of the program, it may be, may be time just to, to stop here when he says that your loyalty to the creator of the Ten Commandments um, is, is demands effectively that you remove President Trump from office. That's a powerful, bold statement, and it would seem to me that if you're going to make this kind of a statement, you would have much more specific examples than what you've had here. You can't just list his Twitter feed, his past business dealings. What what does that even mean? Folks, I mean, when you go, again, I, I serving, I, I, I'm not, I didn't go to law school. I almost did. But serving as a juror on a very terrible criminal trial where two, well, one individual in the case that we sat on the, uh, Set on the jury for was for an individual who was uh, it involved the death of a five year old child it involved the death of a five year old child and it was the charges included conspiracy to commit murder they couldn't prove which one actually killed the child but they they could they ended up proving that the two individuals that were charged again we only dealt with one but they they conspired to end this child's life. You think about this. There are very specific questions, very specific things that when you sit down in the jury, there's there's a question. Did this person commit this? Here's the definition of the crime. Specific. It's not just vague. In fact, we we talked about we talked about some text that this uh, defendant t- text that would blow your mind that this defendant had sent to his girlfriend, the mother of this child. I don't want to get too into the details here. But these texts, the text messages were completely, would blow your mind. The wickedness, the depravity, the evil. But those text messages, while they could certainly paint a picture of the type of individual we were dealing with, they were not direct evidence. So you could pick out, going back to my memory bank, you could pick out some um, as as re- reasoning to you know come to the conclusion of of conspiracy, but it could have just meant horrible individual. And so there's specific specific questions that have to be answered. You just can't say I don't like the guy, I don't like his tweets, I don't like this or like that. You know when you realize what we're up against. Yeah, I, part of me thinks that when the founders. When the founders and the patriots back in the 1770s took up arms, it makes me wonder if this guy would have written, had he been alive back then, that it's morally wrong 
to engage in war and talking about the terror, the, the terrible things of, of war and all this sort of thing. Meanwhile, you're you're sweeping under the rug this totalitarian sort of government, this lack of liberty. God created us to be free. There are ideologies that are morally bankrupt, and we have to do what we can to stop them. It doesn't give someone a, a, carte, a carte blanche to act however they want. There are still rules of law, but most of what President Trump can be – most of the things that people – say are wrong with President Trump, in my estimation, are Trump playing, fighting back in ways, in unrestrained ways that we haven't done in a long time. It's one of the things that make people applaud about, uh, applaud what he's doing. And if the problems are as deep or as a fraction as deep as we say that they are in Washington, D.C., in the inner workings of our government, this is a very, very, very massive problem much more dangerous than the presidency of Donald J. Trump. Anyway, I'm going to post this. You can read the rest of this. I just wanted to share this, being the Christmas Christmas time, Christianity. This was just written. I thought it was appropriate. There's, of course, blowback. There's, there's others that have signed letters that disagree with this. This, uh, this editorial uh, editorialist was interviewed on what CBS, whatever CBS is, weekend program was he was on there defending his article his his editorial and so forth we can't get into that i just wanted to share this share my thoughts at large and make this available to you on our facebook page should you want to take a look at this toddhuffshow.com excuse me facebook.com slash toddhuffshow gotta take a break when we get back i want to say a few words about christmas this time of the year and um we'll do that and kind of wrap up here talking about that when we return you're listening to the homo conservative not bitter talk i am your host todd huff back in just a minute welcome back so i've been talking about this um Christianity Today piece. I don't have time to get any more into that. You can find the uh, the article on our website, or excuse me, our Facebook page, Todd Huff, nope, 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 facebook.com slash Todd Huff Show. But I want to I wrap up the program here as we get into the Christmas season. Here we are. Uh, Christmas is, is before us, right? Christmas, um, it's a great time of year. You know, I, I'm known, I think my wife would, would tell you this, I'm known for saying this is, this is my favorite time of year. I say it during the Christmas season. I say it around Thanksgiving. I say it during springtime when it's, you know, the trees are budding and the weather's starting to, to turn. I say it during the summertime when it stays, you know, light until I'm, I just, I love life. Now, one time I don't typically say it is in the month of January and February because I am a tad bit of a baby during the cold months. But basically, I just, look, there's a lot of things to be happy about. Um, you know, just the gift of life, but specifically the gift of life in this in this nation. The things that we have been afforded because of uh, because of truth that the nation has been built upon, which I think can be traced back to our founders' faith. Dare I say it? Their faith in God, specifically their faith in Christ. Half of those folks who wrote the declaration, didn't just go to religious school. They actually went to be trained in seminary schools. And so uh, th- this this time of year is special. And I think 
look, we have ideas. We have ideas and um, we have disagreements in this country, right? It's very tense. But I want to say this. Jesus came. Jesus came for every single person. I said this off the top of the program. When God saw Adam and Eve sin in the garden, he immediately put into action his plan. His plan that would give us a way back to him. That sin separated us from him. And it was we were separated so far from him. And it was outside of our power to close that gap and to make things right. No matter what we did, man tried. Women, men and women tried through religious obedience. But nothing, nothing comes, uh, came close. So God... God's plan was to do it himself. And so God said, I'm going to send my son, my one and only son, to earth in the form of a baby, born of a virgin. You know, all the prophecies, we can't get into all those now. We simply don't have time as the, the seconds are ticking away. But I don't care. I don't care. These other things might matter, and I think they do matter. But nothing, everything else pales in comparison to what was set into motion when Jesus came to this planet as a baby. And while it may not specifically have been this time of year on the calendar, this is the time at, uh, this is the time at which we stop, reflect, and recognize that. That he came to earth, he stopped. Stopped everything in a sense. I know he's, he's God and he's not really stopped or <laughs> troubled by time or having too many things to worry about. But in another metaphorical sense, he stopped everything. He stopped everything to come to this planet for you, my friend, for you, for me, for those who have a different political label, for those who have a different, maybe an LGBTQ label or a liberal label or a socialist label or a fill in the blank, whatever that label is, whatever that differentiation is, whether it's physical characteristic, whether it's gender, whether it's an ideological thing, even if it's something that's clearly not a biblical viewpoint or worldview, God still came to the manger and ultimately from the manger to the cross for that individual, overcoming death, giving us all hope through his resurrection that we may one day live eternally with him in heaven by defeating sin, the grave, and death. So that's the moment this is the moment that we should stop and reflect that. And hopefully, hopefully, I don't say, look, we shouldn't get, a, we, we should still have our differences and try to work these out. I get that. Oh, that's fine. Sometimes people wear their, their feelings on a sleeve too much, but sometimes people are way out of control too. And that includes Christians from time to time. And I'm long in this segment. Got to take a break. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. Here we are, the waning moments, the waning moments of, well, this is this is the last episode that we'll have before Christmas, and uh, in fact, the next couple of weeks, uh, we'll be out a good chunk of that time, I appreciate your patience. Some of that is to recharge our batteries, some of that is to work on some things that need to be done behind, uh, behind the scenes as we ramp up to get to hour two here in January. Um, so we're working on a lot of these things, and 
got some exciting things on the horizon in 2020. Going to be a very important, critical, critical year. Critical year indeed as we look at the election, the landscape. Uh, <laughs> we're looking at who's going to control the House, the Senate, and the presidency. And just we've already watched as the we, – we're still not really near the election. We're getting near the Democratic nomination process as the primary and the caucuses and so forth. But we've got a ways to go. Anyway, so we're nowhere near that – that climax of, of tension that we're inevitably headed for in this great nation. And you could look at articles like what we talked about today as one one of the reasons, one of the reasons we will see ourselves getting there. But but back to the Christmas story really quickly and wrap up. Folks, I do I do want to make sure that I, I share with you that the gospel, the gospel, Jesus coming to earth, living a sinless, perfect life, teaching us, showing us how to live. And then dying on the cross as a perfect, sinless um, human, fully God and fully man, standing in that gap. That gap was then reconnected, that gap between us and God through his death, burial, and ultimate resurrection. And that is for you. And I hope that you don't forget that this holiday. Don't forget it about yourself. Don't forget it about any single person that you meet. Guys, have a Merry Christmas. Thanks for listening. SDG. Take care. 